morning. Seems like a full weekend, huh? Go ahead and uh, look at the passage that's up on the board. And before we do, I just want to kind of give you a couple of opening thoughts. Uh, so we've been talking about faith and some of the obstacles of, uh, that we encounter in having faith without those mountains. Today, I want to talk about one of the ways that can. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Thank you. My kryptonite. <laughs> so, um, so today, uh, rather than talking about obstacles, I want to talk about one of the ways that God actually builds up faith in us, the way that God builds up. And one of the ways that God intends to build faith in us is through one another, is through one another. The New Testament is filled with passages instructing us to exhort one another, to spur one another, to correct one another, to pray for one another. You guys look at this, is this too far? <laughs> too far, okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, so the New Testament is full of exhortation for us to exhort one another. So we are one of God's intended vessels to build up faith in one another. And one of the ways we do that is through deep, meaningful friendship. So we are to do it in the various ways that I described that the New Testament tells us, but the bond of where, where the bond or the context in which these things happen, the exhortations and the encouragements and the prayers and the sharing of tears and the laughter is in the bonds of friendship. And today I want us to look at the story of Jonathan David as one of the examples of what true friendship is. Um, I want to share a story with you. Friendship to me, I, I'm a very relational person by nature. I'm not a task or I, I can be task oriented, but generally speaking, I'm a feeler. I'm a relational person. Um, I would rather connect with you and um, build deep relationships. I don't have like hundreds of friends. I don't do social media. I do have very few close friends and I tend to build deeply into those relationships. And one of the reasons why I value relationships so much is I'm gonna share a story with you from my own personal life. Uh, the, the value of relationship is during my, I would say the years 15 through 18, were sort of my black sheep days. Those were my backsliding days. I've been, I've been forgotten the word backsliding because I haven't used it so long. But you know, those were the days when growing up in the '80s, I kind of strayed and lived a life probably not in line with the gospel. Let's just put it mildly there. Okay. So at 18, um, at the urging of my aunt, who was very much a, a spiritual influence in my life. Uh, I went to a retreat, and during this retreat, I had experienced God in two ways that shaped me for a long time, or very, very formative in my understanding of my faith and relationship. The first happened during a silent night, meaning that we weren't supposed to talk this one night, 
And in that prayer, I had this really deep um, revelation of God's desire for me to serve him and my own, my kind of an introspection of my own willingness, whether I was really wanting to serve God or not. So there was this wrestling that first night. And the second night, we're having communion and we were praying. And I remember, you have to remember, I was coming out of a season of backsliding. I was not in a good place, but I was feeling the Spirit of God moving me towards my calling, which is towards the ministry. And in this pivotal summertime when my life kind of shifted, I remember that second night I was praying after taking communion and my heart was troubled and I was going through, I can't, I can't remember the emotions, but it wasn't a good emotion, but I was just kind of struggling and sort of angst in my spirit. And as I was praying, and this doesn't happen a lot for me, but it's just like, for a split second, I saw a picture. Um, and the picture was, uh, you guys, you guys, you guys might be too young to know this, but in the 80s, there was a poem or kind of a semi-poem, it's kind of like Hallmarkish, called Footprints. Have you guys ever heard of Footprints? Okay, so if you grew up in the Christian church, it's Footprints. Anybody not know Footprints? Okay, so Footprints, I'm not gonna read it for you, but here, here's a summary of Footprints. Basically, someone says, I had a vision, and in the vision, I was walking on the beach, and there were two set of footprints. And, and I asked Jesus what they were, and, she, and Jesus said, this is me walking alongside you at all times in your life. And then the poem goes something along the lines, I go, line goes, but Jesus, at my most difficult times in my life, I see only one set of footprints. Why did you abandon me during my most difficult times? And Jesus says, my dear child, in those most difficult times, I didn't abandon you. I carried you, right? So it's kind of like, it's, it's, a, it's a hallmarkish, but it, you know, it, it really resonated with, like when I was a teenager, when, I, when that first came out and became popular, and, it was like every, on every mug and poster and <laughs> church pastor's wall, you know, that's kind of like that. So that's probably playing in my mind, but uh, I wasn't thinking about that, uh, that poem in my head when I was praying. But I was praying, and in that moment, there was kind of a picture. It was a simple picture. It was a, it was a, I, can, I can still see the picture image in my head because it's real. It's like, it's like you see something, when you see something in your heart, in your spirit, it's not like you see it with your eyes and the memory fades. It's just still very vivid. Like you see it with some different sense. And so the picture is so clear. There's like a, uh, like a beach is right here. There's a mountain canyon cliff. There's the waters and this beach here. And there's three people walking and two people are carrying a third in the middle, right? And so in a flash in a moment, I see this picture in my mind and I feel the spirit of God impressing on my heart saying to me that, you know, during these last three years when you were really backslidden, was the prayers of those who loved you and carried you. So it was this idea of that, it's not that Jesus carried me, but it was the people who loved me and were praying for me. You know, my mother, my father, my friends, my pastor, all those people that were praying for me, and, Jesus, and God was sort of impressing my heart, that it was during these backslidden three years where I was really far from God, that these people's prayers, their love for you carried you. Right? And so for me, relationships have always been very foundational in the way that uh, God works. And I, I want you to, as a church, as you leave today, you know, don't focus on just the negatives of, you know, these are the things I want to avoid. These are the presumptions and the blind spots that I want to fix. 
But focus on the positives, the blessings that God has given you. And the biggest gifts, one of the biggest gifts God has given you are your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And, 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 and they don't have to be Christians. They're friends that are not Christians that are just as much God's gift to you as believers. Don't make this dichotomy of, well, you know, they're not in the face of it. No, God can bless you through myriads of ways. And, and people, people are the means by which God blesses them deeply. So I want to look at Jonathan and David and draw out a couple of principles about friendship. Okay. Can you guys see that? Um, it's actually in the bulletin, too, so you can just look it up again, whatever. You guys can follow along. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have a different translation. So 1 Samuel 18, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Now, just make a note. There's two things that happen, right? What, what, what does Jonathan do? He made a covenant. That's the action. And why does he make a covenant? Right. So there's the foundation, and then there's the action on it, right? And covenant is something that I, I think people lose the idea of what a covenant is in today's terms. Like, we don't make covenant with other guy. I'm going to be your friend, and so let's make a covenant. You know, that's, that's not cheesy. Like, then what are you like? You need a contract to be my friend? But it's, it's a deep way. Covenant is something that God had with his people, and it's the deepest way to show your commitment, right? So. So Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Next verse. Was there not one more verse before that? Okay. Uh, there's another verse in 1 Samuel 2017. I apologize if I didn't give that to you. It says, And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And, and, and the reason I bring up the second passage is, is friendship isn't a one-time deal, right? You don't just say, oh, you're my friend, I commit to you. It's an ongoing, it's an ongoing commitment. We need to tell our friends and express to our friends our ongoing commitment to them, right? And the Bible shows that. It's, it's not like the Bible passage, there's one verse, like why are you repeating the same verse? We've already read it. We know that Jonathan loved David as he loved his own soul. But the Bible reemphasizes that Jonathan and David at many times in their relationship Express their commitment and love for one another, right? So it's ongoing. And the last passage. While David was at, at, at Horab in the desert of Zilp, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh, Horesh, and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I'll be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. Okay, Horesh. <clears throat> Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friendships are meant to be for all seasons, both good and for difficult times. Okay? Friendships are meant for both good times and difficult times. Jonathan was the king's son. He grew up as royalty. David was a shepherd boy. And for a season, David was a mighty warrior in King Saul's army. King Saul was the first king of Israel. The Israelites had sort of demanded from Samuel and from God, we don't have a king. Every other country around us has a king. And a king leads them in battle. A king rules over people. We don't have a king. We want a king like all the other nations. And God was grieved at this because 
God said, well, it sounds like you're rejecting me as your king because he ruled through judges at the time. But he gave in and he said, I'm going to give you a king. And he gave him Saul as his first king. And Jonathan was the son of Saul. He's the oldest son of Saul. What does that mean? It means that he was going to inherit the kingdom, right? The sort of monarchy passes down through uh, blood. So Jonathan was heir to the king and he grew up in the royal household. And though David was a shepherd boy, um, Saul noticed him, mostly because he had killed Goliath, but noticed him, and Saul brought him into his camp, and David would go out and fight, and he became a mighty, valiant warrior, and highly praised. And so, for a season, Jonathan and David had it good. They had it good. I mean, there are movies about David that's been made, but it's kind of like two young warrior boys just in their prime, enjoying each other's friendship, right? They had it good. But then something happens. Something happens. <clears throat> Saul and David go out to battle, and God gives them victory, and they're coming back, right? And the women come out singing. It's like the, the victory crowd, right? They're singing and dancing and saying, oh, yes, God has given us victory. And it says, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Or I forget if it's hundreds and thousands, but it's basically David is now the man. And that triggers Saul. And Saul becomes jealous of David, and a spirit of jealousy enters Saul, and now Saul is out to kill David. And now David is on the run. Jonathan is now caught between his father, loyalty to his father, and to his friend. These are difficult times. And yet it was during this difficult time when David was on the run, when David was hiding out, that Jonathan goes, probably at the risk of his own well-being, he goes to find David specifically to encourage him and to give strength in the Lord. Friendship are meant for all seasons, the good and the difficult, okay? Friendships also bloom and blossom where you least expect them. You wouldn't expect David and Jonathan to be friends because they were born rivals. Because Jonathan was to inherit the kingdom. And yet Samuel the prophet, at the instruction of God, goes to Obed and goes to select David as the new anointed king. So in reality, Jonathan had every reason to be suspicious of David. And in fact, if Jonathan could eliminate David, it would assure his ascendancy to the throne. And yet, instead of rivalry and enmity, what did they find? Friendships. And this is not something that's specifically in this text, but this is something that I just want you to kind of, we know this from, from reality, we know from experience, we know from watching movies and stories. Friendships that kind of are unusual, unexpected friendships, are really a blessing and encouragement, right? Don't limit 
the scope of where God can bring you a friend and where you can be a friend to someone. We tend to be very much in our own circle and tribe and very comfort in our comfort zone. And we just don't think that friendships can happen in, in ways that, you know, goes outside of our comfort zone, but they do. Um, any fan of the movie Up, right? Tearjerker uh, for me, right? First time in. Carl Fredrickson and Russell, right? Why does that work? Because you don't expect Carl Fredrickson, the old Ed Asman character, right? The old grumpy man and a, and a really energetic but naive little Boy Scoutish kind of boy. What a deep friendship forms. And we are encouraged by it because it's unusual. And so I would just want to encourage you to be open-minded about who God may be calling you to be a friend to. Don't stay in your comfort zone. David and Jonathan, by all contexts, should not have been friends, but they were. Don't limit who God calls you to be a friend to. But the most important thing about friendship is this. And this is where I want you to really kind of think about. Verse 17, Jonathan goes to encourage David. And he says, don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. What I've learned over the years from my experience of the Word of God is that the truest, one of the truest expressions of friendship is someone who sees God's calling in your life and is willing to give him or herself to see that calling come to pass. That to me is one of the greatest gifts of a friend. It's someone who sees that God is doing something in you. And I want to help you achieve that, even if it means it comes at a cost to me. Even if it means I give up my right to be king. Listen, Jonathan did not do anything wrong. By all accounts, Jonathan was a faithful young man of God. It was Saul, his father, who disobeyed God. Jonathan had every right to hold on to that claim of kingship. But he says, David, I see that God has called you to be king. I don't know why, but it's God. And because God has called you, I am going to do everything I can to make sure that what God has called you to do comes to pass. I'm going to help you. I am going to sacrifice my own self so that you can be what God has called you to be. I have some friends in my life who have always supported me in my work in the pastorate in ministry. Prayer, encouragement, financially. I want to be a friend to others as well in that same way. I, I love my my deepest joy in being a pastor is seeing God's calling in a person's life and doing everything I can to help that calling come to pass. That's 
a friend. Do you have a friend who loves you that way? Are you a friend who loves that way? So that's my exhortation to you today, is, is pray that God will bring Jonathan into your life, but more importantly, pray that you can be a Jonathan to someone. And I want to end today's message with this challenge to you. In, in just a moment, when we pray, ask God, God, is there someone in the year 2022 that you want me to be a Jonathan-like friend to? Is there someone in this church, in my work, perhaps in my family, in my circle, that where I am going to be passionate about their calling and what God is doing in their life as much as what God's doing in my life? I am going to pray for them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to correct them. I'm going to love on them, cry with them. Is there someone where you, God is calling you to be a Jonathan, where you are as committed to their calling as you are to yourself? Would you ask God if there's someone like that in your life that he wants you to be a friend to? And if there is, just make a note of it. Just make a note of it in your mind, and throughout the year, ask God to help you be a true friend. Let's pray. Father, we were never created to be alone, to live life by ourselves. We were created to love you, and through you to love others, to be loved by others to support others, and to be supported by others. For our faith to be challenged, to be encouraged. Lord, as we end this retreat, as we pray for faith that can move mountains to be the church you want us to be, help us do that by being true friends to one another. I ask now that your spirit would impress upon us to be a Jonathan-like friend. and to bless us with Jonathan-like friends. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We pray, amen. So uh, take a moment to think about the person that God is calling you, okay? Thank you, Pastor Sam. Appreciate you. Appreciate you uh, just this whole weekend and being able to bless us with God's word and just your insight. Yeah, I appreciate today's message, too. I think one of the things uh, someone asked me this morning, how did you like the retreat this weekend? And I think one of the things I love the most is just kind of hanging out with you guys and seeing you guys and connecting. And it's really kind of what Pastor Sam was sharing today about the heart of friendship, like connecting with one another, that we're not supposed to be islands and individual, which is kind of hard for me because I'm an introvert. So like I naturally like being alone a lot. So like even during the pandemic, I kind of liked it. <laughs> To be honest, I liked it, but that just tells you, um, for me, that after a while, I didn't like it, right? So even as an introvert, I could tell it was too much. It was too much because God didn't create us to be alone. God created us to be with people, uh, with friends who truly do care about us and want the best for us, as Pastor Sam was sharing. And uh, as he was sharing, I was just thinking of John 15, 15, where Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. 
I call you friends, right? And to me, what I really love about that is that he invites us in, right? He says, you're not a servant. I'm just not a taskmaster just telling you what to do. You need to do this and this and this and this and this. He says, come into my house. Like, I'm going to show you my business. I'm going to let you in on the inside, in the inner circle. And uh, I think that's what we want to invite other people to do, and that's what God invites us to do. Too. So, like when we have friendships and model that kind of Jonathan friendship, it really models our relationship with the Lord, too. That's, that's what he invites us to do as well.